We learned in the previous Mishnah that the status of the sea, and really any large pool of water or a river, is considered to be a caramelis. It hasn't got sufficient walls which are near enough to each other or steep enough to be considered a Rosh Hayachid, and it's not considered to be public enough or similar enough to a large public street for it to be considered a Rosh Hayachid, and is, it is therefore considered to be a Carmelis. Now, a few consequences of that are as follows. When we throw something from the sea onto dry land, so that's from a Carmelis into a Rosh or from the dry land into the sea, from Rishlarabim into a Carmelis, or if it's from the sea into a ship, so that would be a Carmelis into a Hayochid, we're referring to a situation where the ship has the necessary dimensions to be considered a Rishus Hayochid, so it's at least 4 by 4 Tfachim, with a height of at least 10 Tfachim, or if it's the opposite of an Asfinolayom, if he throws something from the ship which is a part private domain, into the sea, which is a Carmelis. And finally, if he throws from one ship to another ship, over the sea in between them, so that's passing from a Shayochid over a Carmelis into another Shayochid. So in all these cases, since a Carmelis is involved, and no act of taking something from a Shayochid into a Shusarabim, or vice versa, was involved, Potter, he is exempt, because although this is all forbidden mid it is totally okay mid and therefore you are exempt. Continues the Mishnah, the halacha is that if there are two different Rishuyos Hayochid, two different private domains, each one owned by a different person, Midrabonon, at least in general, one is not allowed to carry from one into the other, unless they make an Erev Chatzeros together, a type of Erev which makes it considered all one domain. Those halachas are discussed more in detail in the next Masech, the Masech's Erevin. But be it as it may, there is one condition attached. And that is that the two Rishus Hayochid have to be right next to each other. Or at least they have to be connected by another Rishus Hayochid, which would be part of the Erev Chatzeros. But if there is a different Rishus in between them, then they cannot make an Erev Chatzeros, and therefore Midrabonon will be forbidden to carry from one of those private domains to the other. So the mission says, If there are two ships owned by two different people, and they are tied to each other, so that means they're right next to each other, and the sea does not interrupt between them at all. So that means this condition is fulfilled, and as long as they make an Erev Chatzeris between them, they can carry from one to the other on Shabbos. However, if they are not tied together, then even if they are next to each other, since there is bound to be some sea in between them, and they are not literally touching each other, then one may not carry from one to the other, and an Erev Chatzeris would not help, since the two ships are not next to each other, as we explained. Mission Vod, the halacha is that if somebody breaks Shabbos, but he doesn't realize that what he is doing is a violation of Shabbos, well, let's say he doesn't know that it is Shabbos right now, so he is obligated to bring a korban chatos for that malacha. Now, at the end of this Mishnah, we're going to see a rule that one is only obligated and really allowed to bring a korban chatos if both the beginning and the end of the malacha was done in a state of shgaga, of mistakenness, of not realizing that what he was doing was forbidden. However, if, let's say, halfway through doing the malacha, 
he realizes it's Shabbos, or he realizes that it's forbidden, then he will not be obligated to bring a carbon chata. So the Mishnah says, has Zurich, one who throws something, either from one domain to another, or for four Amas in Rosh Hashanah and after it's left his hand, Venizkar, he realizes that what he was doing was forbidden, or perhaps he realizes it's Shabbos, after it left his hand, so that means that the last part of the Malacha, when it was actually, when, when there was a Hanacha, when it landed on the ground, it was no longer in a state of shgaga, and therefore he is going to be exempt. The mission now goes on to a different case. If somebody throws something, but before it's able to land, somebody else comes towards that thing, and kalata acher, somebody else caught it. So that means that the final part of the malacha was done by a second person. Number one. Number two, your intention of your malacha wasn't really fulfilled. You intended that it land somewhere else, and therefore once again in this scenario you would be potter. You would be exempt. And third case is where you threw it, and Kalata Kelev, a dog, caught it in his mouth. Now the dog's mouth is not considered to be a Shayachid or a Shusarabim, so whatever happens if it lands there, you are not Chayev, although the Gemara does discuss. In a case where you were aiming for the dog's mouth, perhaps you might be Chayev. We view the dog's mouth as if it was a Shayachid, but that's not the case of our Mishnah, Isha or if, let's say, the thing which you threw burnt in the air before it managed to land. So in any of these cases where the malacha was not completed in the same way as it started, Potter, you are exempt. And now the Mishnah goes back to the first case to teach this rule. If somebody threw something at somebody or at an animal in order to make a wound on him or on the animal, so that is forbidden to do on Shabbos, but then he realized before the wound was made that this was forbidden, or that it was Shabbos. So that means at the end of the Malacha, it was not in a state of Shugaga. It was no longer by mistake. In that case, Potter, he's exempt because of the following rules. This is the rule. Anybody, in order to be Chayev a Korban Chatos, they are not Chayev Ad Sheteheit Rilosom Seifen Shgaga, unless both the beginning and the end of the Malacha was done in a state of being it by mistake. And the Mishnah elaborates, If the beginning of the Malacha was in a state of Shgaga, it was by mistake, the Seifen Zadain, but the end of it was done when you realized that you were doing something forbidden, it was on purpose. If at the beginning it was on purpose and only at the end it was by mistake, in those two cases, Paturin, you are exempt, until both the beginning and the end of the Malacha are done in a state of Shgaga, only then would you be Chayav a Korban Chatos. Now the reason why the Mishnah adds on this last bit is to teach you, very interestingly, as the Gemara elaborates, that if the middle part of the malacha was done intentionally, as long as the beginning and the end were done by mistake, and if you combine together the beginning and the end, it is considered a significant malacha, then you would still be chayev despite this middle bit. It should be noted that the Gemara gives two different explanations for much of this Mishnah. We explained it according to one explanation, but the Gemara does have a second explanation. Perikud base. after spending the most part of the first 11 parakim of the Masechda, discussing one particular malacha out of the 39, which happens to be the last of the 39 malachas, from Perik Yudbeis onwards, we're going to be discussing different malachas. And the two which are discussed in this Mishnah are the malacha of Boine, building, and the various toldois which are part of that malacha, and Makebapatish, which literally means hitting with a hammer, and it refers to a malacha which completes a process. If this is the last thing which needs to be done to the item, 
then that would come under the category of Makabapatish. And if, let's say, you have a case where the last thing which needs to be done in the process is a tolda of Boine as well, it's a subcategory of building, then you would actually be liable for two different Malachas because both of them were included. Says the Mishnah Habayne, one who builds. How much does he have to build in order to be liable? Says the Mishnah Habayne, one who builds any amount, let's say there's a hole in a wall, and he fills in that hole, that is enough to make him chayev. Vahamasatis, if somebody smooths a stone or cuts it to a particular shape, or if somebody hits something with a hammer, and this is referring to a case where somebody is quarrying stones, he's cutting stones off of a mountain, and the stones are almost off, and the last thing which he needs to do is to give it a big hit from the hammer. So if he does that, he would be transgressing the malacha of Makabapatish. Or if he hits something with an axe, and finally Hakideach, one who makes a hole in something, he drills a hole. Kolshehu, any amount of these malachas, chayev, would make one chayev, because any amount is considered significant. However, the Mishnah does qualify this, Zahaklol, this is the rule. Anybody who does a malacha on Shabbos, which lasts. And what this means is that even if you do just, do just a tiny amount, it has to be something which is useful right now. For example, if you make a small hole, if that hole is useful as it is right now, then you're chayev. But if this cannot be used at all, and it is only useful as part of a beginning of something bigger, then you would not be chayev because it is not considered to be something significant at all. Now, if it is considered something useful, then even if you intend to make it bigger later on, since it is useful and it can be used by some people, you would be chayev for doing that. Now, Ramon Shimon Gamliel says, Even one who hits a hammer on a sadon, on an anvil, which is a thick block of metal, on which a hammer and other tools were hit, in order to smoothen them, so that those tools would be fit for use. So if he does that at the time that he is working, Chayev, he is Chayev, even though he is not actually doing anything to the thing which he is improving or creating, rather he is improving the tool, he is making that fit for use. Nevertheless, he is Chayev, because that is like fixing the work, meaning ultimately by improving the hammer, you're improving the work and whatever you are creating with the hammer. So really this is part of the work and therefore you would be chayev for doing such a thing. Mishnah Beats, the main focus of this Mishnah are the toldos of the two malachas of plowing and planting seeds. So firstly the Mishnah says, Achirish, one who plows a field, kolshahu, any amount of ground which he plows will make him chayev because as soon as he plows any tiny amount of land, he has now made that fit for planting at least one seed. So that's the Av Malacha, and the Toldois include pretty much anything which improves the ground and makes it fit for planting. Hamanakesh, one who removes weeds. Vamkurseim, and one who cuts off the dead branches of a tree. So here he's actually improving the plant itself. Not just the ground, but the plant, and therefore it is a Toldor of planting the tree, because he's really causing the tree to grow more. Vamazorid, one who cuts certain alive branches, if let's say there are too many branches taking up the tree's nourishment and weakening the tree, so he would cut some of the branches, and again that is in order to improve the tree itself, so it's a tolda of zoreya, of planting seeds. Koshu, any amount, chayev, he would be chayev. Now what happens if somebody does a particular malacha, and there are multiple reasons why he could be doing this malacha? The answer is it depends on why he is doing it, and based on his intention, that's how we determine firstly what malacha it is. 
And secondly, how much of it he has to do in order to be chayev. Because each malacha has a different minimum amount to be done in order to be chayev. So the Mishnah gives a couple of examples. A malakit eats him. One who takes wood off of a tree. So aimless sakain, if he does it in order to improve the tree, in which case it would be a tolder of the malacha of planting a tree. Or it could be lesakein means that he wants to improve the ground itself by lightening the tree. So since he is improving the land, that will be a tolder of plowing. Where again, you improve and prepare the land for planting. Be as it may, in any of those cases, kol shahain, any amount of wood which he cuts off the tree would make him chayev, because that already improves the tree and the ground. Now, if let's say he intended for both of them to improve both the land and the tree, so then it's considered as if he did two malachas. And what happens if im lehesek, if his intention was to use it as firewood, then it's only considered a significant malacha if he cut enough k'deil vashal beitzakala, to make a fire to cook a easy egg, which as we have seen refers to a chicken egg, mixed in oil, which is the quickest kind of egg to be cooked. Next example, Amalakit Asovim, one who collects grass, he cuts grass off the land. So Im Lasakein, if his intention is to fix the ground, to improve the ground, then it is a tolder of ploughing. And Kol Shehu, any amount which he does, he'll be chayev, just like if you plough any amount, you'd be chayev. That already improves the land. On the other hand, Im Levehema, if his intention is to use that grass for feeding animals, then Kim Piagdi, he'd be chayev if he cuts the amount which fills the mouthful of a kid goat, which is the smallest animal which eats grass, and therefore that is the amount which would make you chayev for uprooting grass in order to feed an animal.